What holiday do you enjoy the most? For many people it's Christmas. A time of family getting together and sharing of gifts with each other. And Thanksgiving because Christmas is a sick thing nowadays with the kids and presents. See, we just have Christmas in our country. So Ricky prefers Thanksgiving. And I would side with Ricky. I like Thanksgiving. So many things come at Thanksgiving that I really enjoy. Christmas time, you know, often there's other families involved and your children got to go with in-law families and so you can't always get together. Thanksgiving, I think, more often you have family together. At least that works in our situation. So I like Thanksgiving. It's a family time, and the food is great. Turkey and gravy and all of the fixings that go with it. And the festivities of Thanksgiving. We especially enjoy hearing the, our, our grandchildren and younger children give thanks to God for what He has done in their lives over the past year. And I just really enjoy Thanksgiving. For us, for our nation, it comes in the fall. It comes in November. Nice, cool air usually. Sometimes the first snow of the year. Much cooler than our day today. For Israel, they celebrated Thanksgiving in the spring. Fifty days after Passover... God in the Old Testament instituted a feast day, a day of thanksgiving called Pentecost. At that occasion, they celebrated the ingathering of their barley and wheat crops, and they gave great thanksgiving to God for the bounty that He had given to them. As part of that celebration, all of the males would come to the temple and present themselves before God and to Him. And they would have great festivities. They would have celebrations for the priests and sacrifices on behalf of the people and of strangers in the land. A time of great rejoicing and fellowship. It should not surprise us then when we come to the book of Acts and read of the day of Pentecost after the death of Christ. That death of Christ occurred at the time of Passover. Fifty days after it came Pentecost. And on that day we read a very significant occasion in the life of the church. And we read about it in Acts chapter 2. I will just read a few verses from that chapter because it introduces to us A great occasion on that day of Pentecost. We read in Acts chapter 2, I'll just read the first four verses. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We find described for us there the occasion of Pentecost following the death of Christ. The time when God poured out His Holy Spirit upon Christ's followers and those who loved God. In reading it, we find a link to the past. Depending on your translation, you may have in your translation a description of that mighty wind that came into the house, that it shook the house, and the house shook because of the presence and the force of the wind. And as we look at the events of that day and the effects of the Spirit of God coming upon the people, we find some similarities to the Old Testament. For example, on Mount Sinai, you will recall, we talked about it a few weeks ago, God on the mountaintop, there was great thunders and earthquake, the ground shaking because of the presence of God. And at the top of the mountain there was fire and smoke. And we find repeated here on that day of Pentecost the shaking of the building in which the people visited one another. And we find fire in the form of tongues, cloven tongues, resting upon the heads of those present. Identifying the presence of God coming upon the people just like on the day at Mount Sinai. We find another similarity to an Old Testament occasion. You'll recall a few weeks ago we examined the Tower of Babel. When the people of Babel decided they did not want to spread throughout all of the earth as God commanded them. They decided to stay right there. And they built a huge city and a tower up to God. God, because of their disobedience, came down and he sent to them confusion of tongues. So that they all split up in various languages and dialects and ways of expressing themselves verbally differed from group to group. So they spread throughout all the earth as God had planned and desired. We find the reverse of that happening on the day of Pentecost. We find multitudes of nations coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. In fact, we find recorded a little farther down in in the second chapter of Acts the number of different nations represented there with people. Thirteen different nations had come into Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost. And God gave men and women the ability to speak in every one of those languages. And it says that those people were, were amazed by it all. They said, we hear people talking in our own tongue, in our own language, describing to us the greatness of God. And we find God bringing back what he had dispersed at Babel, bringing people back to hear the message and the good news of God. 
and now those people going to spread throughout all of the earth the good news of Christ. So we find on this day of Pentecost a, a reverberation, if you will, an echo of things that occurred in the Old Testament. We find when God poured out His Spirit upon them on that day of Pentecost, He fulfilled promises. There were promises in the Old Testament that God gave through His prophets, predicting a day when He would pour out His Holy Spirit upon people. We read it in the book of Joel, chapter 2. We read it again in the book of Ezekiel in two different places, Ezekiel chapter 11 and Ezekiel chapter 36. And other places where God predicted and promised a day would come when he would pour out his spirit upon people. And how that spirit would change them and would make them holy people. When the Lord Jesus came, the scriptures describe him as full of the spirit. God gave the spirit to Jesus without measure, it says, abundantly. And before he departed in his ascension back into the glorious realms with God, he made promises. And he promised that a day would come when the Spirit would come and would indwell people and would live within them. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came down upon people and rested upon them. And on very rare occasions did the Spirit of God actually go within someone but Jesus promised that a day would come when the spirit of God the comforter he described him would come he said I'll not leave you as orphans I will come to you again through the spirit of God and the father and I will come and make up our abode with you and we will come and live and dwell within you and everyone who loves God and worships Him and obeys Him, we will come and live within Him. So God, in the Old Testament and again in the New Testament, gave abundant promises of this day that would come. And He spoke of it like rivers of living water welling up within us. He was speaking of the Spirit of God that would come and dwell within those who followed Christ. On this day we read of the fulfillment of those promises. When God sent His Spirit and poured out His Spirit upon people and He came and dwelt within them his presence once again on earth in mankind Jesus came he exhibited and demonstrated the, the presence of God within him in all of his fullness and all of his glory as we examine examples in the Old Testament we see that God had always designed and desired that he would have his presence among people like you and me from the very beginning of time in creation when he created Adam and Eve and all of the other parts of creation and he took Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden in Eden he came and fellowshiped with them he brought his presence into that garden 
making it a garden temple. The temple of the living God, the place where His presence would reside. But Adam and Eve sinned. And God withdrew His presence. And over the centuries, He brought His presence back to earth in various ways, sometimes with with people, like with Enoch, and like with Noah, and like with Abraham. And then He brought His presence back to the children of Israel by way of the tabernacle and the temple. In various ways, God brought back His presence to be among His people. He withdrew that presence from the temple during the time of Ezekiel the prophet because of their horrible sin. 400 years passed before Christ arrived. Christ brought that presence back again upon the earth with men in ways never previously experienced, fully within Christ. He then promised that He would send His Spirit who would bring that presence of God to people like you and like me. Jesus, the temple of God on earth, the presence of God resident fully within Him, we then becoming temples of God because of the presence within us of the living God. We then become like temples in union with Christ, in union with Christ the temple, becoming an ever-increasing temple on earth, built upon Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, so that as we have gathered together today to worship God, we have become a mini-temple because God's presence abides with us and God's presence is here so that we become collectively a temple even as we as individuals are temples of the living God and as we have gathered together we demonstrate and exhibit the presence of God among us What conclusions can we draw from these truths as we've examined them? What purpose can they fulfill? The outpouring of the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost and His subsequent outpourings upon men and women throughout the centuries and throughout the nations upon the earth demonstrate for us a faithful God who fulfills His promises. Fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament, fulfilled the promises of the Lord Jesus, fulfilled the promise of God when He designed creation that He would have residence among men upon the earth. It provides for us His presence, His indwelling within us as believers and followers of Christ. It unites us with one another as fellow believers in Christ. It unites us with Christ Himself. It has a further purpose as well. Because through us, God intends to fulfill His mission on the earth that He started in creation 
when God created all things and placed Adam and Eve in the garden in Eden, He gave them a command to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and to spread and extend the presence of God from the garden in Eden throughout all of the earth. They never fulfilled that command. And down through the centuries, neither Abraham, nor Noah, nor Enoch, nor the children of Israel, all to whom God gave that same command, none of them fulfilled that requirement, that command. And the Lord Jesus repeated that command before he ascended up into heaven. He said, go into all the earth. As you go into all of the earth, teach them about me. Command them to follow me and make disciples of them. And I will give you the ability and the power to do that. Just a few days before the Father poured the Spirit out upon the people, recorded in Acts number 2, we find recorded Acts number 1, verse number 8, where Jesus commanded His disciples, A day will come when the Spirit will come upon you and will give you power and will enable you to go and to spread the message first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, and then into all the parts of the earth. God hasn't changed His plan. His mission still exists. And by the Spirit of God coming upon that day and subsequently upon all who've placed their faith and trust in Christ, God gives us the ability, the supernatural authority and ability to fulfill the responsibilities that Christ gave to us, His creation and his followers therefore we have a responsibility because of these truths we have a responsibility upon us and the spirit of God would perhaps make changes in our lives in order that we might obey and fulfill the responsibilities that God has given to us therefore the spirit of God comes within us and lives within us that he might gain control of our lives the spirit of God coming to live within us comes for a purpose to teach us to direct us to guide us and we need to yield control to him that's a tough one that's a hard one Because we all like to control our destinies and our lives, don't we? We like to think we are in control. When in reality, God wants us to yield control of our lives to the Spirit of God within us. And the Spirit of God working within us will open our eyes to see those areas where we have failed. And He will show us those areas where we need to conform our lives to the truths of God's word as the spirit of God works in our lives we will come to an ever increasing value of God and his son the Lord Jesus and what the Lord Jesus did on behalf of sinners like you and like me God sent him as a provision 
for people like you and me, so that everyone who believes upon him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The substitute, the one who died that we might live, the one who should not have died on behalf of those who should have died, the substitute becoming the Savior, so that all who believe and trust in him will have everlasting life as he promised. The Spirit of God wants to change us, wants to conform us to the truth of his word. If you have come today as one who has yet to place your trust in Christ, he calls upon you to repent and believe. That was the message he gave as he worked in his life as he went from city to city and town to town, he said, repent and believe. Turn from your self-reliance. Turn from your self-righteousness. Turn from your sin and believe me. Trust me. I am the one the Father has sent as a provision for people like you. Call upon him. Trust him as Lord and Savior to the changing of your life. As believers, He calls upon us as well. And He calls upon us to believe Him and to trust Him as well. To obey Him. To worship Him. To fulfill His commands upon us. That as we go through our daily lives, throughout our world, not everyone is called to a distant land. Many of us just in our little Jerusalem, our hometown, the place where we live. Others of us have a little broader expanse of people that we know and that we reach. Others throughout all the earth. But he calls us to faithfulness, to trust him, and to spread his presence throughout all the earth, that all the earth might give honor and glory to the Son. A day will come when that task will be completed. When that presence of God will have spread throughout all the earth, throughout all of the nations. And that day will come when we will all stand before God and before the one whom He has appointed as the judge over all things, the Lord Jesus. And it tells us that there will be some from every tongue, tribe, and nation who will join together on that day to give praise and honor and glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. When God by His Spirit, through people like you and like me, will have fulfilled His mission and plan for mankind. I pray that the Spirit of God will bring about in your life faith, trust, obedience, worship, increased love, honor, and glory to the Lord Jesus and to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. The triune God residing within us 
working within us as followers of Christ to spread His presence throughout all the earth. Let's close in prayer.